Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. This morning we're going to be discussing a word that we as people have a real love-hate relationship with. And that word is limitations. This morning's message is actually entitled, Relax in Your Limitations. It might seem kind of weird to hear that. And we, I guess we don't mind limitations for the most part. And we often might not even be aware of it, but without certain limitations around us, we wouldn't even be able to survive. Think about it. We have gravity, right? But it's limited to the exact weight that we need to help us survive here on earth to to keep us alive. If it was a little bit heavier on us, we'd be squished flat like pancakes. If it were any less, we'd be floating off into outer space. But God put all kinds of limits on earth when he created everything. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 8, verse 28 and 29, it says, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the foundations of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep his command, and then he marked out the foundations of the earth. Had God not given the oceans these limitations, we'd be underwater right now. The sun is placed just far enough away from the earth that it doesn't fry us to a crisp. And we're also not a frozen chunk of ice hurling through space. Everywhere we go, there are limitations. If you drove here this morning, you were guided by what sort of limit? And if you're Marcel, (laughs) he has no limitations in that area. He sees a speed limit as more of a dare. There's literally a tool on that soundboard back there that John, John, you do such a good job, man. Thanks for making us sound all right. There's literally a tool on it called a limiter. It's either on the board or on one of their computers that they have, but what it does is it makes the sound of my voice bearable for your ears to listen to. Without it, you guys would be going deaf from all the and sounds, but what it does is it squashes those sounds so that it comes nice and smooth as silk into your ears. Limitations are a healthy thing. It's important to limit how much unhealthy food you eat. It's important to limit how much exercise you get. It's important to limit how much screen time you or your children expose yourselves to. We limit so many things because we know that it's good for us to do so. What we tend to not like about limitations is when it means being honest about ourselves. Admitting limitations within ourselves means admitting weakness within ourselves. There's a limitation I have that I don't love sharing with people, but it's pretty impossible to hide when all is said and done, so I might as well just use it as an example for you this morning. I'm not one to usually shy away from like a do-it-yourself project. Um, I'll try to learn to do almost anything when it comes to working with my hands. 
And for the past several years, through a lot, I mean a lot of trial and error, I've managed to pull off a pretty impressive hockey rink in our backyard. And uh, it gives us hours and hours of fun during the long winters that we get here in Grand Prairie. Um, this rink has come to the point where now it looks awesome. It, it looks awesome to just, just be there and look at it. We've got uh, four posts around it with LED lights on it to shine down because it gets dark at like 3 p.m. So the kids can skate for hours. Um, I've got rope lights under the ice now. Well, not now, but in the winter, I've got rope lights that are the color of the, the two blue lines and the red line. So you just plug them in and it lights up and it just looks fantastic. I've got a center ice logo that a friend of mine designed for me and my dad actually gave to me as a gift. It goes under the ice. It's an oiler symbol, but it says Jones. It's awesome. And that's where the kids have face-offs. You drop the puck there. It's big enough for adults to get out there and have a good skate. And depending on the weather, it's some of the best ice that you can skate on because I resurface it almost daily. You'll find all kinds of cool and unique things about my backyard rink, but what you won't find on it is a single straight or level board. <laughs> I just can't do it. I either mess up somewhere in the math of measuring or I cut something too short and I try to make it work anyways. Or by the time I level something over here, it's out to whack over here. It used to drive me insane. But you know what? My kids don't care about how straight or level the thing is. They get to skate and have fun all winter long. That's what matters to them. So I've learned to, okay, I gotta let this go. This is a limitation, obviously, I have. I just gotta let it go. Now, I, don't, I, I hope you guys have this, but uh, I sent a picture of a doghouse that I built last year. You guys got that? Okay. Well, it looks, it looks good, yeah. This is a picture of a doghouse that I built last year for the dog that I very unwisely decided to surprise my wife and kids with. Now, I blame Pastor Bob for this one, Okay. Back when Kelly and I did our pre-marriage seminar, he didn't once mention that surprising your wife with a dog could be a deal breaker. <laughs> it wasn't in the paperwork. So I heard a few of you guys, the first thing you'll probably notice about this doghouse is how ridiculously big it is. That's actually a huge dog. He's over 100 pounds laying there, but he doesn't look so big because of the size of that doghouse. The house is almost as tall as I am. <laughs> My father-in-law is sitting in here. The, the running joke is there must be a loft in there big enough for me to sleep in when I'm in trouble. <laughs> See, I didn't mean for it to turn out this tall. <laughs> I just didn't like the angle that I had originally had for it, so I changed it slightly, and it ended up as this gigantic piece of work. Guess how many straight angles there are on it? Zero, not one. I tried, but not a single one. But at the end of the day, it's a shelter for the dog. It looks pretty cool. And now I'm okay with it. Drove me crazy for a while, though, because I don't like the fact 
that I'm not able to build things perfectly or near perfect like other people can. I don't like those limitations on me. They make me uncomfortable. They can make me feel inferior or like there's something wrong with me. But until I make peace with them and accept that this is just how God made me, I won't be able to fully enjoy the blessing that they actually are to me and my family. I'm not saying like don't work at things. Always try to improve, but be willing to admit when there's just something, there's a limitation there. And that's when you can invite others in to help. God never makes mistakes. You have strengths and you have weaknesses for a reason. He was intentional about those when he carefully made you. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. With a little bit of humility, it's amazing what God is able to do in us and through us in spite of our limitations. If you're a Christian, then your number one desire should be to see God work in and through you. But until you're willing to even admit that you have limitations, you'll actually be limiting God. So the first step in being able to relax in your limitations is this. Admit I have limitations. I admit that I have them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, we are like clay jars in which this treasure is stored. The real power comes from God and not from us. So every spring, once the snow melts and I take down all the wood for the hockey rink, Kelly and I start, to, uh, start the process of getting a, a big garden in the backyard. In the winter, our whole backyard is hockey rink. In the summertime, our whole backyard pretty much is garden. Um, this spring in particular, I was in a shed and we were just starting to kind of pull things out and, you know, brush the dust off and get things ready. And we have a whole bunch of clay pots. And uh, one of them in particular, Kelly's favorite one, she told me it was her favorite. It's the most beautifully decorated. It's this shiny blue. It was like, I don't know, it was huge. It was, I don't know why you'd need a pot that big, but we had a huge blue pot. And, uh, as I was kind of bumbling about getting things ready, um, I bumped into the pot with my leg. And guess what happened? It shattered. The whole pot shattered. This big thing that looked super strong. Psh, like, oh. <laughs> so I had to go and, uh, and come clean to Kelly. She forgave me. But this is what we're like as people. We're one bump away from shattering. No matter how much we pretend we aren't, no matter how big, how strong we try to look. You could be the world's biggest, strongest man or woman, but the moment life, life bumps you just right, boom, you're finished. Your limitations will show up. We read about one such man in the book of Judges, starting in chapter 13. His name is Samson. Many of you guys would have heard of Samson. God had given him supernatural strength. And he was to be the one to rescue Israel, which at that point in time was being oppressed by the nation of Philistine. 
He was so strong that he was able to single-handedly take on and kill a lion with his bare hands. That's crazy. He killed 1,000 Philistines with nothing but a donkey's jawbone. It's a weird weapon to have, but he did it. 1,000 people, 1,000 enemies. At one point, it says that he ripped off a set of city gates, which would have been very large and heavily fortified. And he walked them up a hill and he chucked them like they were sheets of wall paneling. This guy was tough, he was strong. His strength had but one limitation. And if you remember, God made it so that if he ever cut his hair, he would become as strong as any regular man. If you haven't read this story, it's a it's really good read. Um, I encourage you to do that. But it, it serves as an example for us of what can happen when we live our lives acting like we don't have limitations. So not only should we acknowledge our own limitations, but as I brought up earlier, it's also of utmost importance to set certain limitations in our lives. So I admitted I have limitations. I must also admit I need limitations. Samson didn't seem to want to have any self-control, and the consequence was that God allowed him to be bumped in just the right way, just like the clay pot in my shed. In the end, he became shattered. And in the context of self-control, these limitations are really outlooks or attitudes on how we view the appetites in our lives. And I want to look at three of these attitudes in particular that make a strong person weak, like Samson did. They set you up for failure. They put you on a path to a good shattering. The first attitude being this, lust. In other words, I want it. It's that simple. I see it, I want it, and I want it right now. I don't want to have to work for it or wait for it. I want instant gratification. It could be anything. It could be the latest toy. It could be something that makes you feel good, like sex or a drug or something like that. If you've ever had buyer's remorse, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, here's some nervous laughter out there. Buyer's remorse is where you come across something in the marketplace or in today's context, I guess, online, right? You know you probably can't afford it at this time, but click, check out. I saw it, I wanted it. It's mine. Shortly after, what happens? Oh man, now I'm gonna have to tell my wife or my husband, or ooh, I'm already kinda, you know, a little bit in debt over here, or I don't have enough in the account for this. I'm gonna go into debt now because of this. You start to feel remorse, a sense of guilt. If you've ever felt this, then you've been guilty of this attitude of lust. Lust tricks you because it promises to satisfy, but always leaves you feeling emptier than you did before. In Samson's case, he saw a Philistine woman that he liked, and he decided he wanted to marry her. The fact that God had forbidden his people to intermarry with other nations aside, he liked how this woman looked. It doesn't say anything about him even talking to her. 
let alone courting her or dating for a little while, getting to know her. It says in Judges 14, verses 1 and 2, one day when Samson was in Timnah, of the Phil- one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. I can just imagine saying that to my dad. There goes, she caught your eye. Did she? How's your, how's your good eye now? Can you imagine? He didn't even want to meet her himself. He was sending his parents. Yeah, I saw some girl. She's appealing to me. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. Go get her for me. Talk about setting yourself up for buyer's remorse. Now, some of you guys, you did follow sort of a courting, dating, marriage model. You've been married for years, and you're still experiencing buyer's remorse. Not, not you newlyweds, you're good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, ladies, Costco will take them back. No questions asked, you probably don't even need the receipt. Lust, I want it now. I see it, I want it. The second attitude, or lack of limitation, Samson portrayed was that of entitlement. I deserve it. I deserve this. Another of God's commands to his people was that they should refrain from touching any dead body. Samson defied this when he was walking along the road to get ready for his wedding to the girl that he barely knew. It says in Judges 14, verses 8 and 9, sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. Now, this is the one that he had killed with his bare hands. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and he ate it as he went along. You know what? I'm the one who killed this lion and I did it with my bare hands. It's basically my lion. I deserve this honey. I'm a little tired from the journey. I'm just gonna help myself just this once. It's not bothering anybody else if I do this. I've been working so hard. I just want a taste of a little bit of honey. Does this sound familiar at all? We're so good at convincing ourselves that we deserve things, even things that we know are wrong or cause us to overindulge. How many times has that thought, I deserve this, or it's not hurting anybody else, gone through your mind? In our fallen state, this is the norm. Our flesh will do whatever it can to convince us to indulge in things we know we ought to have limitations on. And the odds are actually really stacked against us in this area because we've got, like I said, our flesh. We've got the devil who's encouraging us to do it as well. And then we've got the world screaming, you deserve this, do it. This is all stacked against us. There are literally TV commercials where they're trying to sell a product that end with because you deserve it. You deserve a break today. No, you don't. We'll get to what you really deserve shortly. I wanted to do a little test with you this morning. 
I want you to finish the commercial, the tagline, all right? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. See, it works. You love it till you get it in you. <laughs> Have you had your break today, right? Or how about the Lay's commercials? I bet you can't have just one, right? Fair enough. You were right, six-time Stanley Cup winner, five times with the Edmonton Oilers and once with the New York Rangers, Mark Messier. I couldn't have just one. I had four bags of chips in one sitting. I deserve this. The third attitude that we need limitations on is this, pride. I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. This one piggybacks off the other two. I want it, I deserve it, and darn it, I can handle it. I've heard this phrase from a couple of people who have reached the end of themselves when it came to addiction. They said, one drink is too many and a thousand drinks are never enough. Up to this point in their journey, and and that's a good place to be, up to this point in their journey, anytime they had tried to clean themselves up, they would have a moment where they told themselves, I can handle one. I can handle it. I can handle it just one time. This is a trap that gets us all of the time. If not you, then you know someone who has said that famous line about something such as pornography, alcohol, drugs, even food addiction. I'm going to bring this entire tub of ice cream up to watch TV with me rather than just having a bowl because I can handle it. It didn't matter what it was for Samson. He thought he could handle everything. In chapter 14, verse 10, it says, Now his father went down to see the woman, and there Samson held a feast, as was customary for young men. Now this would have been a feast where there would have been lots of eating, yes, but of course, lots of wine flowing. There would have been indulgence in everything you can imagine. And we don't know if Samson was actually drinking, but we can sort of assume And we do know that this is where the trouble really became unleashed for him. This is where things really started to fall apart. See, he was feeling rather smug and smart. And he tried to swindle a bunch of his guests out of fine linen robes and sets of expensive festive clothing by telling them a riddle that they had to solve in up to seven days. They had seven days to figure this riddle out. And if they couldn't get it, They'd have to give him 30 sets of of the robes, of each type of robe. If they did, then he would give them 30 sets of each. They ended up pestering his soon-to-be wife for the answer, and they got it. Maybe if he had known her a little bit, he would have seen it coming. All hell broke loose, and Samson ended up going into downtown and killing 30 men, taking their clothes and giving them to the men who solved the riddle. It's a little overboard, right? 
Remember that the next time somebody asks you a riddle. What's black and white and red all over? Oh, well, every, yeah, everyone knows the answer to this one, but if I answer it correctly, are you going to spare my family? I can handle it. 30 men lost their lives because Samson was partying it up and made a dumb wager. Now, as I said earlier, in the end of this story, Samson loses everything. I encourage you, again, go ahead and read it on your own. We can take so much from it. But lack of acknowledging the existence and the need for his limitations led to his downfall. It's when we remind ourselves that not only do we have limitations, but we also need them, that we're able to go from weak pots of clay, just ready to shatter, to indestructible containers of the finest and hardest material that we can imagine. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. This is the famous line right here. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now there's a flip side to each of these three negative attitudes that we looked at. They're attitudes that turn weak men strong. Not because of anything that we do, but because then God himself becomes our strength. So the flip side of I want it, the last I want it, is I want God. It's telling God, Lord, I want what you want for me ahead of anything else. I'm going to trust that when I put you first, you're going to provide the things, the actual desires of my heart. And I know they're going to be good and healthy for me. The flip side to I deserve it is I deserve death. We all do. We literally deserve nothing except death. That's kind of weird to wrap your head around. We literally deserve nothing except for death because of our sin. Being in touch with this keeps us in a position of gratitude and humility, which is a position that is favorable to have God working in and through our lives. The flip side to I can handle it is I can't handle anything without God. The older I get and the longer I walk with the Lord, the more clear this is becoming to me. Whenever I think I'm accomplishing something on my own, I'm simply fooling myself. The very fact that any of us even got out of bed this morning is a gift from God. Marcel sang and, and commented actually even on those words earlier, it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise. The fact that you are here breathing is simply because God is allowing it. So why not acknowledge it and start working with him and inviting him into handling life's tasks together with you? He's with you anyways. You might as well.
I was going to go really long this morning. But I decided for your sake that that's enough for today. Would you stand with me? Whatever your limitations are, remember, it's important not only to recognize them, but also to know when you need to implement limitations. And when you have the proper outlook and the proper attitudes going, don't forget to relax in them. Breathe. It's okay. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. That's where God jumps in and makes things perfect because he's perfect. Limitations are not meant to hurt you. They're meant to help you. Limitations are where God is able to be God in your life. And where God is able to be God in your life, your joy levels will go up. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. I want to offer a prayer for anybody here who you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But man, you're seeing some pretty big limitations in your life. You're feeling pretty shattered. I want to offer you a prayer this morning that you can pray just between you and God. He hears every, every thought anyway, so you can pray quietly to him in your heart. And you can say something like this. Lord, it seems like everywhere I turn, I'm met by limitations. I can't seem to get anything going. I can't get my wheels turning. I'm making a choice, a conscious decision today to receive you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior because I need someone to come in and fill the gaps in my life. I can't do it on my own. So Lord, I invite you in be Lord of my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sins and that you forgive them for me if I ask. Thank you that you also rose again so that now I can have eternal life with you forever in heaven. Help me to love myself, to learn to love others, and to learn to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's pray. Everyone in the room, everyone tuned in online. Lord, we all have limitations. And God, we can either figure that out the hard way or the right way. And Lord, the, the right way is to acknowledge them, acknowledge that they exist, but to be okay with it. Because when we're okay with it, it means we're trusting in you. It doesn't matter what limitations we have. If we have you, everything is possible. any mountains or walls that we might face, Lord, you've already got it. So Lord, I pray that you help us to trust you. Give us the wisdom and the discernment to know where in our lives we need to set limitations, Lord, and we need to respect them in order to more clearly focus and hear your voice. But ultimately, Lord, help us to relax in our limitations 
because you are so good. You're not going to leave us there. You're going to provide everything that we need to walk confidently and boldly through this life. So God, speak truth to us this morning. Show us these areas. Help us to confess them and to grow in them. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.